0: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I don't want to jinx it, but is it really happening? Is Jorn Vandersloot set to make his way, handcuffed and in leg shackles, of course, from Peru to the U.S. specifically, a federal court in Birmingham, Alabama? This is After years have passed since he murdered American sweetheart Natalie Holloway, is it really happening? What, if anything, could throw a wrench in the works? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thanks for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. How did it all start and how do we end up right here? Take a listen. Our cut
1: twenty one. When I first got the call that Natalie was missing, I was I was returning from oh gosh, let's see, it was Memorial Day weekend. I was returning from my family's lake home and got the call that it's the dreaded phone call that no parent ever expects to receive. And then was traveling somewhere outside of Memphis, Tennessee, between Hot Springs and coming into Birmingham, and the caller said that Natalie was missing and that no one had seen her and that she'd missed her flight. And and in that instant, I knew, I knew instantly that something was terribly wrong because that j- was just so out of character for Natalie. She's just not going to oversleep. She's not going to be, you know, uh, lost somewhere in another room. So I knew instantly that she was A, being held against her will or something, Uh, even more tragic, had happened to her.
0: A mother's intuition turns out to be true yet again. You are hearing our friend, Beth Holloway, Natalie's mother, speaking about the moment she learned Natalie was missing. We all believe, at this point, that Natalie was murdered the night she went missing at the hands of Judge's son, Yorn Vandersloot. So what does that have to do with today? Take a listen to Hour Cut 76, our friends at
1: CBS. 18-year-old Natalie Holloway disappeared while on a high school class trip to Aruba. Holloway was last seen leaving a bar with Jorn Vandersloot and two other men. No charges were ever filed in Holloway's disappearance. Her body has never been recovered. Now, Vandersloot could be extradited to the United States. Vandersloot is in Peru, serving a 28-year sentence for the 2010 murder of Peruvian student Stephanie Flores. Vandersloot is accused of trying to extort a quarter of a million dollars from Holloway's family, allegedly promising he would lead them to her body. Prosecutors say Vandersloot collected $25,000 in cash and then lied about where she was buried. It's not clear when the extradition would take place. Vandersloot's attorney says he plans to fight it. In a statement, Natalie Holloway's mother thanked the president of Peru and U.S.
0: officials. Oh, blah, 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 he's going to fight it. This while Jorn Vandersloot is kicked back in a Peruvian jail where he can have all the alcohol, all the drugs, and all the sex he wants. He's even fathered a child behind bars in Peru. Of course he doesn't want to leave. Why would he? Why would he want to come to the U.S. and face justice? Uh, joining me an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. When is the ETA, estimated time of arrival, of judge's son, Jorn Vandersloot? And remember, he didn't just murder Natalie Holloway and uh, drag her mother through hell and back. Even ex- trying to extract a quarter of a million dollars from Beth to tell Beth what, quote, really happened to Natalie and where Natalie's remains are. But he actually took $25,000 from her. It's kind of a down payment on his big fat life. He also murdered another young woman, Stephanie Tosiana Flores in Peru. Now, Peru got it right. They prosecuted him and put him behind bars. Aruba never did a thing other than try to thwart the search for Natalie. Again, with me, an all-star panel to make sense of what we know right now. But first, I want to go out to uh, Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist on the story from the very beginning, Art Harris, a longtime colleague and friend. Art, can you believe you and I pounding the pavement when Natalie goes missing, trying to find Natalie, trying to find the truth. And here we are. We're this close to getting Jorn Vandersloot on American soil.
2: I'm in shock, Nancy. I mean, he has done everything to dodge the bullet. And uh, and this is something that, uh, you know, between all the jurisdictions, I never thought would would see the day. But uh, apparently we have an extradition treaty with uh, uh, you know, with Peru, and therefore they're going to try to honor it if the Justice Department agrees this week to turn it, to return him in 30 days or within uh, a certain period of time.
0: You mean the U.S. DOJ bringing him here? Correct. And, you know, you'd think, yes. Art Harris, that they would without any hesitation. But when has the U.S. government done what we thought they were going to do? When has that ever happened?
2: There are people languishing in jail across the seas that deserve far better treatment than uh, Warren Vandersloot. And, uh, you know, we still haven't gotten any of them back. So it's sort of a miracle that he's even tap dancing his way towards justice.
0: And I'll tell you, the only reason he's made this far, Art Harris, is because Natalie's mother is still on it. Guys, I want you to take a listen to our friends at NBC. Natalie
3: Holloway's family hoping to finally get yes. some justice for the 18-year-old who was on a high school graduation trip to Aruba when she vanished in 2005. There is still no sign of American Natalie Holloway. In a case that made headlines around the world, Bjorn Vandersloot, who police say left a club with Natalie the night she was last seen, can now be extradited to the U.S., to face federal charges, he tried to extort a quarter million dollars from the teen's mother in 2010.
0: You know, it's interesting, Art Harris, who's been on the search for Daly since she first went missing in Aruba. Why now? And I mean, I'm not kicking a gift horse in the mouth. I'm curious. Why now?
2: The the, the wheels of justice somehow uh, turned slowly and finally click. Uh, and it's, uh, it baffles me. I think. Uh, uh, you know, the, you know, his, her mother kept pushing, and the Peruvian government, I think, is a little more open to getting him out of it. Maybe just got tired of, of him getting making all the headlines and drawing all the, the heat to their situation. I mean, he's been a drug dealer in prison, living the high life there, uh, and uh, who knows what kind of message that sends to people? Hey, come to our come to our country, we catch you, we bust you, like they did him in prison, and uh, you know, you'll still get to live on the hog.
0: You know, it hurt me so much, uh, Art Harris, when I recently went back to Aruba with Beth to try to uncover more information to see if we could, you know, shake the trees, see if anything fell, find something new, dig up something old we didn't know what we were looking at. We just went looking. They treated us like pariah. They uh, threatened to arrest us. They followed us all over the island, tailed us like we were criminals. And that was just a small taste of what Natalie's mother Beth endured when she was trying to find Natalie to start with. You were there. Could you just describe for everybody the way Aruba treated Natalie's family and the Americans there trying to find Natalie?
2: Well at every at every turn they they rebuffed them, they would make her sit in their waiting room, a small room in the police department. Uh, I don't think it had air conditioning for hours on end, whole days while they supposedly searched the files and went around and checking sources, they did nothing. And they totally turned their back on her and anyone interested in finding the truth because the truth led back to, um, we, we believe, total corruption. The father who was a sitting local judge is the one who went to bat for his son. And, uh, you know, this was a kid who had money, he had connections, and who knows what else he had on other people. But he, uh, she, they were they were treated like dirt, like you were, Nancy, maybe even worse. But it
0: was different for me, Art. I didn't have a dog in the fight, no skin in the game. Uh, Cheryl McCollum is with me right now, uh, founder and director of the Cold Case Research Institute and star of a new hit series, which I'll uh, called Zone 7 podcast. Cheryl... <laughs> It didn't bother me at all to have a little, uh, let's just say, altercation with the Reuben authorities. She, Beth, had a lot on the line at the time. She was looking for her daughter. I, I, I didn't have that constraint when they bothered us. Correct. And, you know, I remember something Beth said at the time. She said, if they
4: lock me up, good. I'll have their undivided attention for three days to talk to them and ask them questions. So she was undeterred as well. Um, And she even told us at the time, it was a very different trip to Aruba for her. For the first time going there, she felt empowered. So it was nice to see that transformation in her, that she was no longer intimidated or afraid. She went there with the full gusto, arrest me, don't arrest me, ban me from the Holiday Inn for life. It's not gonna stop her.
0: No, we were not concerned about getting arrested. I can say at least that much crime stories with nancy grace another thing we got to keep in mind and let me go out to a special guest joining us irv brant senior inspector u.s marshal service all over the world, he has worked for Department of Justice in International Affairs. He's the author author of Solo Shot, Curse of the Blue Stone on Amazon. Uh, he's also author of, what's the name of your other Jack Solo book, Irv Brandt?
5: It's uh, Top of the World, also.
0: Right, that's right. So there's Top of the World and Curse of the Blue Stone, both solo shot. Irv, thank you for being with us. And of course, what a background you've got for writing international books. One thing I got to keep in mind is we're not dealing with Aruba, who they are not worth the salt that goes in their bread after the way they treated Beth. And uh, then threatening us, telling us, harassing us the whole time that we were there, just trying to talk to witnesses and return to locations and look at it with a fresh eye. It was insane. But that said, Natalie was kidnapped and murdered on their watch, and they never lifted a finger. In fact, they aided and abetted Jorn Vandersloop getting away. They covered for him, and his father, the judge, covered for him, and they let it happen. But we're not dealing with them now. It's a whole nother ball game, Irv Brandt. It's Peru, because then he immediately goes to Peru five years to the day murder Stephanie Tosiana Teci- Flores. Now, here's the thing I'm wondering, if everyone's saying, why now? I'm wondering about the statute of limitations on fraud. Because in this case, he's not charged with murder. He's charged with fraud. As a matter of fact, before you uh, get started, take a listen to our friends at NBC.
3: Vandersloat was never charged in Holloway's disappearance, but is currently serving a 28-year sentence after pleading guilty to killing Stephanie Flores in Peru on the five-year anniversary of Holloway's disappearance. That country's new president now agreeing to the temporary extradition van der Sloot is accused of offering to tell natalie's family how she died and where she was buried in exchange for the money authorities say he was given an initial payment of twenty-five thousand. he took her attorney to a site he said the body was located at but the body wasn't there and he subsequently acknowledged that in emails an attorney for van der Sloot tells the associated press they will fight extradition
0: okay this is what we know we know that your van der sloot's lawyer Wants to fight extradition. It's my understanding, Irv Brandt, that for federal fraud, the statute is 10 years. That could be why suddenly this is coming to fruition now. That could be a reason. What do you think?
5: Well, Nancy, yes. Um, it's my understanding that once the the charges have been indicted... clock doesn't begin because he's in custody Mm,
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in peru yep you're right and
5: it's 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 very much like when you have someone in state custody and then the feds charge that person indict that person then you bring that person into court on writ of habeas corpus and you're just borrowing them from state custody and as soon as the trial's over you're going to send them back to state custody This is the same thing, except it's with countries instead of jurisdictions.
0: So are you saying the U.S. statute of limitations did not start running when he was indicted on wire fraud and extortion on Natalie's mom? Correct. Okay, that makes perfect sense. So that leads me back around to the question, why now? Now, there's a lot of theories out there, but uh, I want to hear what they're telling us from WBRC.
1: Fox six. The first step will be an extradition hearing in Peru where Johan Schloot could try to fight this. Even so, town expects him to be back on U.S. soil within the month. Then Vanderschlut will be brought to the federal courthouse here in Birmingham where he will be arraigned, assigned an attorney, and then held in custody until his trial. That could be anywhere between two and five months. So Irv Brandt, how is it going to go down?
5: What's going to happen is... Since it's been approved, extradition has been approved, that the Peruvian government is willing to turn over Vandasloot for the U.S. to prosecute him, then return him back to Peru.
0: Okay, wait. So you're saying the extradition is a temporary extradition in that Peru is going to allow the U.S. to pay for him to be extradited, brought to U.S. soil to be tried on wire fraud and... um, extortion of natalie's mother extortion and then he will either do time here or he'll be sent back to peru and that's between the two countries i predict he'll stay in the u.s
5: no nancy he, he won't stay in the u.s he's going to be returned after he is uh after his trial
0: i mean unless anything happens to him in jail
5: well that's absolutely correct in the
0: u.s in the federal penitentiary
5: in the u.s which could happen.
0: And Nancy, can uh, I hold, on, air, but, hold on, Irv. A power greater than yours is intervening. Go ahead, Cheryl McCollum. <laughs> I mean, she'll just keep trying to break in until you let her in. So you just might as well let her in. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I think it's important
4: for people to understand. We're not going to get an itinerary. This thing is what we call a bus ride. He ain't even going to know when he's leaving. He's all of a sudden going to be taken out of his cell. The next thing he knows, he's going to be on the airplane. Next thing he knows, he's going to be in a jail cell in Birmingham. It's going to be fast. And it's going to be okay, when can, anybody can I knows. Break Go
5: ahead, Irv. Yes, Nancy, please. Can I break back in? Okay. I've conducted and supervised <laughs> thousands of international extraditions. And I have also done it from Peru. They're going to issue a surrender warrant to the Office of International Affairs. Once International Affairs receives that surrender warrant, typically they're going to do it within 30 days.
0: Okay, hold on right there. Who issues who a surrender warrant?
5: The Ministry of Justice in Peru
0: has
5: agreed to the extradition. Okay. And once a surrender warrant for Vandasloot, is issued and it's received by the doj office of international affairs either the united states marshal service or the fbi will make arrangements to bring vanda sloop back to the united states now they're not going to announce it and they're not going to give any details for security reasons but it's been my experience that they're going to use, the FBI would either use one of their jets or the U.S. Marshal Service would charter a jet.
0: You mean a civilian jet?
5: That's correct. The U.S. Marshal Service uh, would charter a jet. The FBI has jets. I don't know if they have jets with that kind of range from Peru yeah. to Birmingham. But since it's a formal extradition, it's it's not an issue. You can transit, you could refuel in other countries, also U.S. cities, because... The venue has been established You don't have to worry about landing In like let's say Miami And having to do a rule 40 hearing In Miami
0: What's a rule 40 hearing? I'm a state prosecutor I'm a gunslinger I don't know all of your federal numbers and rules
5: It's an identity hearing uh, That a defendant's entitled to To show The government to prove That he is the person Not just the name But the person himself Uh being extradited but this wouldn't be the case since it's a formal Mm -hmm. extradition and they have a surrender warrant
0: got it so let me recap this peruvian ministry of justice agrees to the extradition they provide a surrender warrant to the u.s. Department of Justice, then once that has happened, the FBI will either send their jet or the U.S. Marshals will use a commandeer, civilian jet, go get him. And Peru is basically saying, hey, he's yours, COD, cash on delivery. Uh, You can transport him. We're not interested. So then we go get him. We bring him home, maybe stop for refueling, get him to the federal court in Birmingham, and then he goes and cools his heels in a U.S. holding facility until he goes to trial. Is that right?
5: That's correct. Then once the trial is concluded, the United States Marshal Service would return him to Peru to. Be in a local jail for murder. What? Who's
0: jumping in? Be
6: in a local jail because the FBI and the government—they don't have jails; they have prisons. He's
0: not going to be in a state jail.
5: No, he, he would be in an. He would be in. He would be in United States Marshal Service custody. Yeah, and Money they contract. Private. Right. Well, right. they they contract with either private facilities or local jails.
0: Okay, gotcha, guys. We were talking about the return of Yorn Vandersloot to you soil. What, if anything, can be proven? Now, (laughs) I don't know if you've heard this or not, but believe it or not, somehow woven in to this cobbled proceeding is a fake stab Wound? Yes, take a listen to our friends at AP. His
3: lawyer claims prisoners are purposely
0: targeting him.
5: The inmates have realized that if anything were to happen to Joran Vandersloot, for example, if Joran Vandersloot were to die, as a consequence, the prison would close, and this is what they are trying to do, close the prison. And to do this, they are using Joran Vandersloot as a guinea pig.
1: Prison officials deny the claims, saying Vandersloot has superficial wounds on his abdomen that were probably self-inflicted. So Joran Vandersloot has
0: self-inflicted wounds? For what reason? Uh, What do you know about that, Cheryl McCollum? You know, it was probably a ploy to get to another prison himself.
4: We know that he was running cocaine out of the prison. Maybe he had a a better business opportunity somewhere else. Literally. It was self-serving. That I can guarantee.
0: Okay, to Art Harris, what, if anything, do you know about his self-inflicted stab wound? And what antics like that could stop this extradition.
2: Well, there's always the medical facility that he might get sent to and who knows what he'd have access to there, but that would also could also uh throw a wrench in the extradition timing and uh you know there's a, there are a lot of a lot of tools to self-inflict yourself with in prison, but usually if something is, you know, is someone is stabbed or has those kind of wounds It's it's the real thing, and it's over, because prisoners know how to go for the jugular, so to speak, and he would not be here. So, uh, you know, I I don't put much stock in uh, in it being an attack from someone else.
0: I remember distinctly when it happened, uh, the bloodied polo shirt, yes, polo shirt, (laughs) uh, jorn Vandersloot was wearing behind bars when he was stabbed, stabbed by fellow inmates He said, and according to his then wife, he was stabbed multiple times by other inmates. As it turned out, it was one stab wound that was self-inflicted. Karen Stark joining me, high-profile psychologist joining us out of Manhattan. You can find her at KarenStark.com. Karen with a C. What about that? This is the level to which he will sink to get what he wants. He stabbed himself in the stomach to get some sort of preferred treatment or even transfer in Peruvian, in the Peruvian jail system?
4: Nancy, that's not a surprise at all. If you look at the things that this guy is capable of doing, he really, like taking a grieving mother and not caring about the fact that her daughter is dead and she just wants to know where she's located, heartless. He has absolutely no conscience. He will do whatever it takes to try and get attention, sympathy, things going his way. So, uh, he's capable of
0: anything. That I'm not surprised about at all. Well, another thing to you, Art Harris, uh, Emmy Award winning investigative journalist at artharris.com, the moment he was stabbed behind bars, his wife immediately took to the airwaves about him being stabbed, hopefully to get preferential treatment. So that's what that was all about. And I don't put it beyond him to try another stunt like that to avoid extradition to the U.S. Anything can
2: happen with him. We know he's a sociopath, a psychopath, a killer uh, who has no problem meeting a girl at a casino and then going back to the room and stabbing her when he finds out she's been peeking at his his computer. So uh, this is someone who is just beyond what profilers might construct if they were to to create a fictional, uh, uh, you know, Jorn Vandersloot. Uh, you know, he, he surpasses all the, the evil that, uh, that you can muster.
0: Well, at first it was claimed to be multiple stab wounds, three inches deep each, by inmates on Jorn Vandersloot. Then it turned into two stab wounds, two inches deep. And then it turned in, oh, and the wife managed to go behind bars and, quote, smuggle out his bloody shirt to show it to the press. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out it was all self-inflicted. So I, I don't know what they're going to pull next. I do know this. Back to Irv Brandt, Senior Inspector U.S. Marshal Service, that there is talk of his lawyer filing a habeas corpus, corpus motion to throw a wrench in the works. What do you know about that? And how would that work?
5: Nancy, uh, that's always a possibility when it comes to formal extraditions. The host country, uh, the country with the defendant currently uh, has an appeal system that the lawyers can go through. But the president of Peru has already signed off. So I don't know what kind of appeals he has left. I'm sure he'll file an appeal, but whether that'll stop him being turned over to U.S. authorities, that remains to be seen. I I find it highly unlikely that... It's going to, if it is delayed, it won't be delayed long.
0: So, what is he looking at in the U.S., and how are we going to prove it? Take a listen to our friends at Fox 6. As
1: soon as he's sentenced, Vandersloot will be flown back to Peru to finish the murder sentence he is currently serving, which ends in 2040. The most he could face in the U.S. is 50 years on these charges.
2: Any sentence that he gets, is going to be a very close to a life sentence for Yoram Vandersloot, uh, der and, and look, he deserves every inch of American justice, every ounce of American justice that we can give him. And when he finally released from the Peruvian prison and he does all of his time in the Bureau of Prisons for the United States, he still has hell to look forward
0: to. He certainly does. Uh, That was Jay town speaking right there. Joining me right now, professor of forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, and star of a new hit series, Body Bags, with Joseph Scott Morgan. Joe Scott, thank you for being with us. Joe Scott, I think that having him in the U.S. and the long period of time it will take to prepare his trial could only benefit the U.S. and Natalie's mother, Beth, How are we going to prove the charges against him, the charges on U.S. soil, still not a murder charge? And do you ever think we're going to have enough evidence to determine where is Natalie and what happened to her?
7: Very difficult to do, Nancy. Uh, You know, I, I think the closest I come to this, thinking about what happened to Natalie and, you know, where her remains wound up, this is a 70 square mile island. I know you've been there. Cheryl's been there. Uh, this is, huh, as horrible as this is to say, this is a one of the most diverse populations of apex predators in the oceans. You've got more shark species down there than any other location. There's an indication she may have been taken out on a boat, her remains, and they were disposed of out there. To this point, um, there has been no physical Evidence. I think that at one point in time, the FBI found some hair that turned out to be a big fat zero. And of course, there was the stuff with the bone fragments that uh, the, the forensic lab in Netherlands uh, examined. There was a jaw along with teeth. Uh, and even based upon what they found with the bone fragments, they couldn't determine if it was male or female. And this is the point with that physical evidence, they could not tie it back biologically uh to uh to natalie and you know and i can only imagine you talk about you know the shakedown artist this guy this animal um you know it it required on uh, on the part of beth to to her to surrender a piece of herself you know she's holding on to hope that this child is still alive she has to give up a dna sample and of course it was it was a goose chase um and, and then the shakedown You know, it comes to that point. I think the the one point of leverage in this is that he will be in the United States. And we know that, you know, as Art had mentioned, this guy is just rife with all kinds of psychological issues. If they can leverage him in some way while he is here to come up with some kind of indication as to where he deposited her remains. I I have no doubt that he brought about her death. It's just reality of trying to determine where, on that little plot of land down there, he disposed of her. We
0: keep talking about Aruba, or at least I do, being complicit at Natalie's death and then not helping her family at all. They knew what was happening with Jorn Vandersloot. Natalie Holloway was by far not his first victim. Take a listen to Hour Cut 60. This is Bob Plummer uh, talking to me, a chaperone on the trip that ill-fated senior trip, Natalie went but never came back, listen.
8: Jorn, he was in the casino every night in the resort as well. Mm -hmm. So he was Mm. already in contact, you know, or seeing and around uh, our students, you know, pretty much every night from the first night we got there. So I'm pretty sure that's where he first made contact. Uh, with with any of our students before they even went to Carlos Mm -hmm. and Charlie's and then probably heard that that's where they were going uh, each night and somehow ended up there uh, with them each night.
0: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Dale Carson joining me. High profile lawyer out of Jacksonville, Florida and former Fed with the FBI, author of Arrest Proof Yourself. And you can find him at DaleCarsonLaw.com. Dale, everybody knew Jorn Vandersloot would go to the casinos and the bars, slip the young female tourist roofies and take them away to rape them. Everybody knew that it was it's not even a secret. They didn't try to keep it a secret, yet they did nothing.
6: Well, it doesn't surprise me because those islands, and I worked in that situation for a number of years, islanders are very insular, and statesiders, when they come, are looked down upon, and it doesn't take you long living on an island to know where you can throw trash in the water, and it goes away. And certainly at the north end of the island where the lighthouse is, is a known area, the water... Is 26 fathoms deep just right off shore. And everybody on an island over the centuries would know precisely where you want to throw a dead hog or a dead cow to get it off the island. And so it's not surprising to me at all that there's no body to be recovered. And in the Virgin Islands, we have a number of unsolved stateside cases where individuals have flown down there. They've gotten involved with a local groups and disappeared never to be found again it's an island and and you don't need to bury something on the in the sand where it's going to come back you just know where to place it and it's a horrible situation where predators who live on these islands they're not going to talk to other people islanders again are very insore. they don't care for statesiders and they know That they're going to live on that island for the rest of their lives, and they're certainly not going to explain their behavior or the behavior of others who live with them on the islands to the general public and not to the police.
0: Well, you're right about all that. It's stunning to me, Art Harris, that they, the authorities, knew Jorn Vandersloot had this MO, modus operandi, method of operation, and they did nothing. So this was just like another day at the office for Jorn Vandersloot.
2: But you got to remember, Nancy, they had the judge, his dad was a judge and who, you know, who was looking over their shoulder, who they allowed to look over their shoulder and knew what the next move by police were probably at every second so he could yep. set up a. Uh, an easy escape. Plus, when you go back The judge
6: himself was arrested in connection with all of this by local law enforcement because they knew he was connected with the son.
0: Well, guys, wait a minute. It's more than just the dad watching over and uh, keeping Jorn Vandersloot out of trouble. It's more than that. The father... Paulus Vandersloot, the judge, was at the casino the night Natalie goes missing. Take a listen our cut, 63.
8: He was seated, Natalie, and then Yaron is on the farther right side. But you can even see Natalie's slant of her, her body position spoke volumes to me because she was leaning towards her friend. When you saw her, what went through your mind? So while I'm at the Holiday Inn talking to the night manager... And, they, and then they're arranging for me to view the security footage because I was trying to find out, I wanted to get a visual like of who this person that Natalie was last seen with. I needed to see him because some of Natalie's friends were saying that his name was like, they had part of his name and I can't remember what part they had. Then the night manager was able to confirm his entire name because she said, oh yeah, we know you're on Vandersloot. He preys, that's what she described him as, praise upon American females is what she said. Everybody needs. Everybody knew.
0: So it was a common M.O. The uh, I recently commented that Jorn Vandersloot had sex assaulted Natalie Holloway. And I was met with a firestorm of complaints claiming, and I understand this, since her body was never found, why do you believe she was sex assaulted? Well, this is why. Take a listen to our cut 67.
8: I finally got two Aruban police officials to accompany us to his home. In that early morning hour, it it began to get heated because Yaron began to describe to the men from home about the sexual activity that he engaged in with Natalie in the backseat of the car, where they were very graphic, I could just probably safely say, just very sexually explicit activity that he was engaging with her in the backseat of the car. And he's saying that she's falling asleep and waking up, falling asleep and waking up. So they're hearing that she's drugged and that she's, I mean, this is, her will because she can't choose her free will. And so after that happened, then Duron was insistent that after all that activity that they engaged in with her, he took her back to the Holiday Inn Hotel and dropped her off.
0: Well, that's not true. Cheryl McCollum, do you recall uh, Beth telling us that Yorn Vandersloot's father actually was at the casino?
4: Yes. Not only was he at the casino, again, he knew his son was underage. He knew what his practice was there. He knew that everybody at the hotel, the restaurant, and the casino knew how old he was and knew the, you know, the game he was running on tourists because he would not approach them or assault them until the night before they were set to leave. So what he knew is this victim was not going to stay on this island to press charges. She was going to, you know, make her flight to go home because all that had been prearranged and paid for. So he had this down to a science of he would meet them, befriend them. He would lie about where he was from. He would say he was from the Netherlands. He would lie about his age. He would
0: act like he didn't know the area either. And all of this was just part of his M.O. To Aunt Harris, uh, you were on the ground at the very beginning, and you've been through so much trying to find the answer to what happened to Natalie Holloway? What do you think?
2: Well, I think that he had he had the whole formula down, as Cheryl said. Uh, he had the roofies ready. He had uh, whatever he slipped into their drinks. Uh, he knew how much uh, to make them unconscious enough to let him lead them away. And there are probably other. I heard rumors of other bodies that we don't even know about. I mean, if if you wanted to put the word out and really make the make a upset, you know, have billboards. Don't let your daughter go to the island of death and have Natalie's picture up there.
0: Whether Natalie's remains will ever be found is a question that hangs over the current investigation and soon to be prosecution in a U.S. court of law for extortion and wire fraud, trying to bleed Natalie's mother dry of a quarter million dollars in exchange for the truth about her daughter. We wait. As justice unfolds, goodbye, friend.
3: With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed.